Hey, Prairie Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from Pastor Isaac Roman from a midweek service with the message he's entitled Generational Faith. Uh, Man, it's about passing on our faith to the next generation. There's uh, different generations that are coming up. We want to pass that on and continue that legacy uh, of the faith of of Christ. And so, uh, man, I hope you listen to it. I hope you enjoy it. Just lift your hands right there. The presence of the Lord is in this house. Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you, Lord. Father, that you're faithful to generation to generation. And Father, we stand here and we declare your goodness, not only over our lives, but the next generation to come. Father, we declare your goodness over our cities, over our communities, over our family, over our friends. Father, we commit this night to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, the church of God said amen. Amen, amen. amen. God is good. I said God is good. All right, all right. I'm in the right place. Well, it's good to be here with you. It's good to see a lot of uh, fresh faces. Uh, It's good to to see. It looks like there's some of you that have been, uh, that have come back maybe for some time. You've been away. Um, But it's good to see each and every one of you. We appreciate those of you that are joining us on YouTube tonight. Uh, We we weren't able to get to Facebook. Uh, We had some technical difficulties, but our team was able to respond quickly and get us on YouTube. So we appreciate those of you that are joining us on YouTube tonight. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about generational faith. Say that with me. Say generational faith. All right. Say it again like you mean it now. There we go. All right. I, I want to warn you that because we wear these, fa- the, these face masks, which we appreciate, we, we appreciate you guys helping us out there, but because you wear these face masks, we're not able to hear you. So Pastor Omar and I have been talking about this, Pastor Rob as well. We're talking about, uh, we don't know if we're really getting through to the congregation. We don't know because we can't get that feedback. So if you're going to say something, if you're going to give God some praise, uh, maybe do it a little bit louder uh, tonight. All right. Okay. All right. We appreciate that. Uh, we, we really do. Um, so generational faith tonight, and, and uh, uh, before I go any further, I, I want to uh, acknowledge our senior pastors, Pastor Omar, Sister Letty. I have a picture of them. Uh, I'm going to ask them to put that up there. So Pastor Omar, Sister Letty, they're, uh, they're in Kansas City this week, and uh, Pastor Omar is ministering at uh, Pastor Kelly's church and his conference, Revision 2020, and uh, um, so, so they're, they're, they are there uh, holding, uh, uh, ministering there, and uh, also it's Pastor Omar and Sister Letty's 36th wedding anniversary. Now let me tell you what's significant about that, um, and maybe maybe the, the ladies in the house could attest to this, that uh, for her anniversary, she committed to go with her husband to support him in ministry so that he could go and preach at a conference, and she's not complaining about that or nothing like that, she's, she's, she's all for it. Uh, what I appreciate so much about, about Pastor Omar and Sister Letty, as, as you guys know, I say this every time I get up here, I am a son of this house. Pastor Omar is my spiritual father. Uh, um, I, I, I respect him, honor him as, as that in my life. He's a voice in my life. Uh, but one of, the, one of the things I was thinking about uh, with Pastor Omar and Sister Letty is, is something that's super unique, is that as I'm talking about generational faith tonight, Sister, uh, uh, Sister Le- Pastor Omar and Sister Letty have pastored three generations in my family. Let, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Um, my wife uh, grew up in this church uh, since she was eight years old. 
And so her mom and dad brought her to, the, well, her mom brought her to this church. And so that's the first generation. And Pastor Omar Cicilletti were the pastors of this church uh, then. Uh, she, obviously, uh, they, they now pastor uh, me and my wife as well. That's the second generation. And now they're pastoring our children. And that's three generations. And so we're talking about uh, a, a legacy and a heritage of generational faith that they've been able to, to, uh, to impart into each and every one of us. And how many of us are so, uh, uh, so grateful uh, for what, what God is doing in their life and here in this ministry. Uh, if if, if, if uh, Pastor Omar says, let they have impacted your life, your family, uh, uh, it's just a tremendous thing. And so I want to honor our spiritual parents uh, here tonight. Um, you can take that down. Thank you. They look great, don't they? Yeah. All right. So again, we're talking about generational faith tonight. Uh, Psalms 145 verse 4 says, One generation commends your works to another they tell of your mighty acts. So I want to share a story with you um, about a family that had a priceless family heirloom. And so the story goes this way. Uh, it was a vase that was passed down from one generation to the next generation. One day the parents of the family who had the possession of the, or who had possession of the vase left the teenagers at home while they went out shopping for the day. Now how many of you have teenagers? Raise your hands. Okay. All right. Okay. You always know that it's like a 50-50 dice, right? Like when you're, when you're leaving, uh, you're leaving, you go do your thing, but you're just thinking like, man, I hope I come back and the house is, is still put together. I remember one time we, uh, we left and, and we left the kids uh, behind and we came back and everything was great. And then we, my wife happened to go into the kitchen and she was looking on the stove and we noticed that uh, a Tupperware or a plastic container had melted uh, because one of my kids decided to make some eggs and it was too close to that. So, I mean, we, we, we you know, uh, we, we were able to get out without any real incident, but, you know, who knows, right? What if? And so this family leaves, uh, they, they leave for the day and they leave the teenagers at home and they go shopping for the day. When they returned home, their children met the parents at the door with sad faces, reporting mother, father, you know that priceless heirloom our family passes down one generation to the next? Well, our generation just dropped it. And so this is the reality is, is each, one of, each, each generation has stories, has values, has different things that we're responsible to pass on to the next generation. Um, now, you might be sitting here and tonight, I, maybe I should, I should bring context and preface it with this. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about is really from one generation to, an, to the next generation. And the most, uh, uh, the most practical or applicable way that I could talk about this is, is me to my children. And so maybe you're sitting in here and you're saying, well, Pastor Isaac, I don't have children yet. Uh, that does not exclude you from the responsibility to the next generation. And so as I'm talking about this, I want you to begin to think about your circle of influence. I want you to begin to start thinking about others outside of yourself. Uh, oftentimes when we sit into the, when we come into the house of the Lord, uh, many of us have a lot of different needs, right? We've got a lot of things going on in our lives. We need God to move in this. We need God to do that. All these different things. But tonight I want you to kind of think about uh, something outside of yourself and think of others first. Is that all right? All right. So each generation, we have these memories and these stories and these values that we want to pass along to the next generation. And this especially includes spiritual values of faith, and we don't want their faith to be dropped. I don't want the next generation's faith to be dropped. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to put up another uh, picture here, 
And uh, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. Uh, you may not know who these people are, but these people are dear to me. These, this is my mom and my dad. Um, and so uh, my mom passed nine years ago. It's been nine years on Monday. And I was thinking about as we were preparing, uh, we're in this, we're in this uh, sermon series, Faith Without Walls. And Pastor Omar uh, absolutely killed it on Sunday with fireproof faith. And, uh, uh, and, and I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about fireproof faith. I was thinking about, you know, this generational, the spiritual legacy and this heritage that I've been fortunate to walk in. Not everyone has parents that, that, were, that, that were raised in church. Not, not everyone was able to, to, come in, to, to be raised in that environment. I was, and I'm truly, truly grateful for it. But as I was thinking about, uh, as I was thinking about my parents and, and my mom, I was thinking about the spiritual legacy and the heritage in which they imparted into my life. Now, I'm not here to tell you that, uh, you know, because I, because I was raised in this great environment, um, that I never, I, I never did anything wrong. That's, that's the furthest from the truth. I'll get into some of that. Um, but it was important for them to break cycles in their life, in their upbringing, so that they could impart something into the next generation. Now I feel responsible because the, uh, the things that were imparted to me, now I feel responsible to carry those things, to be diligent with those things, and pass them on to, to the next generation, which are my kids or those that are coming up around us. A couple stories about, about my parents, some of the things that, that kind of stick out in my mind as it relates to fireproof faith and really this generational faith that they passed down to me, really it's an impartation. And so one of the things I can think about is, is uh, just their day-to-day -day example, just the way that they loved each other, the way that my dad loved my mom, and, and, and the way that he treated her with respect and dignity and honor. These, these different things that I picked up kind of uh, just by chance, just by, just by looking at it. One of the things that, that stay with me, that really sticks with me, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, is what, what really sticks, what, what brings stickiness to our faith. But one of the things that, that brings real stickiness to my faith, I, I can think of two things uh, specifically. When I'm thinking about my mom, uh, I think about a woman that just consistently prayed for me. Uh, consistently prayed for me. I, I was I was strung out on drugs. Uh, I started I started getting high and, and partying when I was 13 years old, and uh, started getting into hard drugs uh, when I was 13, 14 years old. And my mom consistently prayed for me. My mom consistently spoke words of affirmation and words of life to me time and time again. I remember uh, there, there, I have these vivid pictures of one time. Uh, um, I share a little bit of my testimony. When I was 15 years old, uh, it was a Saturday night, and me and my brother, I have a brother that's four years older than me, um, we, we got picked up one night, uh, uh, and, and we got busted with drugs, and so we got busted with, uh, with, with narcotics, hard drugs, and, uh, and we, were, uh, we were arrested for, uh, for possession with intent to sell and distribute and transportation. That was on a Saturday night. My, my, mother, uh, my mom and dad were pastors of a church here in Paramount. And so that Sunday morning, my, my, my dad had to get up on the pulpit and explain to the congregation that his two boys had just been picked up for, for drug dealing. And so I think about that, and I think about the, the strength and the fireproof faith that it took for that man to stand up behind this pulpit and speak to the congregation and stand, stand strong in his faith. I think about when my mom would come to see me. I was in juvenile hall. She would come to see me with tears in her eyes, and she would just be praying for me. And she, and my mom prayed me out of bad relationships. My mom prayed me out of all kinds of things. Mama was there just praying, casting out the devils. And I remember these things. I remember these things. I remember her just, just crying and praying and praying and praying. 
Um, I, you know, just again, just just different things that that stick out with me, things that made my my faith so so strong, and the stickiness that that really kept my faith going. I think about when my mom, when uh, she, there were, there was years that she was fighting her illness. She had uh, diabetes and a lot of different complications that come with that. But I remember on her on her deathbed, basically, uh, uh, the the doctor had called in all of uh, all all of the family. And uh, she had been in renal failure, those of you that, that know what that means. And so they called in the family, and I remember, uh, I remember going to, to the hospital, and, and I remember in, in the ICU unit where she was at, um, there was these double doors, and I'll never forget this. This is the most vivid picture that I'll have for the rest of my life. I remember I'm walking, I'm walking up down this long hall. There's these double doors. These double doors open up. I see my dad to the left of, of my mom. My mom's on this deathbed, and they have worship music playing. And I walk in there, and, and my mom loved gospel music, and so she, she had, the, I don't know, probably like Ron Cannoli or something like that. Uh, and, and, she, and, 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 they're, and they're there. My dad is crying there, uh, you know, with, with, with her hand in his hand. And, uh, and as soon as she sees me, she looks up, and uh, she just kind of brightens up, and she smiles, and she's intubated, so she can't say anything. But what she, what she mouths to me is that I'm going to see Jesus. And I just, I couldn't believe that someone in a place, and, and, and really the, the, the path that she had taken and, uh, and, and this disease and, and, and all the things that she had gone through, that she was on her deathbed still declaring the goodness of God. And she will never, I don't think she'll ever really know the impact of that impartation of that, of that act of faith. That came, into my, that came into my life. Again, uh, this is something that's vivid in my life. And so I'm talking about generational faith. I'm talking to you about really the reality and the responsibility that each and every one of us have to take the grace that God has given us. I'll say that again. To take the grace that God has given us because we're not worthy of the love. We're not worthy of the forgiveness that God has given us. So we take this, this wonderful gift. We take it for ourselves. And then we pass that on to, to the next generation. You can take down that picture. We're talking about generational faith. Listen to this. I want to I ground you in, in a, couple of, a couple of statistics, if, if that's all right. Um, so Barner Research Group, those of you that know who they are, they do a, a lot of deep dive researching into Christianity, the faith, uh, and, and, and all these different things. I want to read this to you. It says that a recent study indicates that nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus, listen to this, nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before reaching the age of 13. I sit, I, 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 uh, I've been in church a long time, I've been in church my whole life, and I see, I, I see a generation that as they grow older, they begin to think that they've not done anything with their life. They begin to think that their life is over. Uh, because there's such an emphasis on, on the next generation, there's such an emphasis on the, next, uh, on, on the ones that are coming up. And this is the reason why, because if we can't get to them by the time they're 13, more than half of them will never come into salvation, a personal relationship with Christ. Two out of three born-again Christians, 64%, made that commitment to Christ before their 18th birthday. So we're, we're, we're now... We're now uh, um, uh, 64% before their 18th birthday. And listen to this. One out of eight uh, born-again people, um, that's 13%, made their profession of faith while 18 to 20 years old. Listen to this one. 
Less than one out of every four, so this is about a quarter of Christians, embraced Christ after they were their 21st birthday. And so really what this, what this research, what this study is saying is that after the 21st birthday, there's a 25% chance that someone is going to get saved. Now, I look across this room, and I know a lot of your stories, and I know that you came to Christ at a later time in, in your life. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. But you're an anomaly. You're the minority. Think about that. And so there's a, there's a real emphasis. There's a real urgency. I want to wake you up. I want to, I want to make you aware there's an urgency to talk to our next generation, to mentor, to disciple our next generation. We talk about this often, uh, the pastors, we talk about what are our landmarks and our, uh, really what are our core kind of values? What do we hold on to? Discipleship is number one. Discipleship is number one. We believe life on life. We believe that we take what we've learned and we impart that into someone else. This is the landmark of who we are and what we do. Listen to this statistic, and, and you may have heard it already. But over the last 120 days, four months in this pandemic, think about this. Over the, last, over the last 120 days, one out of three Christians have left the church. 30%, they've left the church. They started, they, they started with us online, and I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about all churches. 30% have left the church. And when I think about that, I think about those individuals. We are for the one. I think about that, that, that individual. I think about their soul. But when, when, I, when I start to think about generational faith and I start to think about our responsibility for the next generation, I begin to think about those families. How many families does that represent in our communities? And so listen, it's, it's not... There, there's no way that we can necessarily place blame on any one generation, whether it's the... Uh, preceding or proceeding generation. Because usually, there's blame to be had on both of them. Usually, the, the preceding generation didn't do enough to reach out. They, they felt it insignificant, or they were too busy doing their own thing, worried about their own stuff. And so mistakes are made by one generation, or, or the mistakes that are made by the one generation are often magnified in the next nominal generation. Listen to this. Commitment is replaced by complacency and then by compromise. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to be saying that a couple more times. Listen to this. Commitment is replaced by complacency and then by compromise. Let me explain that to you. What happens is uh, we, we, uh, when we're lost and we need God really bad, really desperate, uh, we're all in. We got a lot of fire in us. Because we have nothing better to do than to just depend on God. I mean, we literally have no other life support but God. And so we come in and we're fired up. All of a sudden, we start to get blessed. All of a sudden, God starts to answer some of our prayers and we become complacent. This is what happens. You'll see this in the Bible. You'll see, you'll, you'll see that trend that God delivers the children of Israel and they're thankful. They're, there's, a, there's a heart of gratitude and they're worshiping God and they're, 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 they're doing everything that God told them to do. And then the further away they get from that epicenter of blessing or deliverance, they begin to get complacent. And then before you know it, it turns into compromise. Maybe some of us potentially could be in that place tonight. I got to share this. Pastor Omar shared this with me. I'm going I'm to share it with you. But there's a story in, in uh, 
um, in, in Judges, and we know the story of Moses and Joshua. We know that story. Um, but uh, so, so Moses had the vision to go into the promised land. We know that. But he never got to do it. But the, but the one thing that he did really, really well was that he prepared the next generation. So although he didn't get to walk into the blessing that God had told him that he would, he would have, the one thing that he did, and he did it well, was he prepared the next generation. His leadership, he prepared the next generation to take on the baton and, and carry that out. And so Moses raised Joshua when he died, and he handed off leadership to Joshua, and there was a seamless transition. Everything went along smoothly, then Joshua got to do what Moses always wanted to do. Now listen, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to say this. My parents led a, led a life uh, or a heritage and, a, and left a legacy of faith for me. And my responsibility is to take that faith and to, and to take it further, to do more. The responsibility of my children is to take the faith that I've imparted into them and go and do more. There's nothing more in healthy leadership, there's nothing more satisfying than to see someone that's under you, someone that you've discipled, someone that you've poured into, be raised and do things that are even greater than what you could do. That's for healthy leadership. Toxic leadership, that's another, that's another message. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that during the leaders meeting. So Joshua got to lead the people into the promised land and his generation experienced the blessing of God. He was a phenomenal leader, no doubt, but he had one tremendous downside. Listen to this. Joshua, listen, many of us celebrate Joshua, and we should. Uh, Joshua was, was one that came back from the, from, from the report. He was the minority, and he said, uh, it's a good land, and we could take it. And so we cheer around, we, we cheer over Joshua. And then we see Joshua leading us into the promised land, and we cheer Joshua. But he, but, but he, he, he dropped something along the way. And so Joshua didn't raise the next generation. And when his generation died, there was a tragedy in the next generation. Judges 2.10 says this. It says, when that whole generation had passed away, another generation came after him who didn't know the Lord or the things that he had done for Israel. Listen to this. Another generation grew up who knew, who knew neither the Lord or what he had done for Israel. And so because of Joshua's one glaring weakness, he didn't raise spiritual leaders in the next generation. He didn't impart and disciple the next generation. And so the next generation came along and didn't know God intimately. They didn't know the power of God. They didn't know the, the, the mighty works of God. And I believe that it's our responsibility to impart, in spiritual, uh, impart spiritual life to the next generation. I remember this, this, this quote, it, st it stayed with me. Uh, one, of our, one of our guest uh, uh, pastors, Pastor Javon Ramos, um, uh, he, preached, he preached a sermon at our bridge conference several years ago. I'll never forget what he said. This, this, thing, th this quote just stayed with me. And my prayer tonight is that this quote will stay with you and really haunt you. He said this, he said that we are responsible to each other and for each other. I'm going to say that one more time. We are responsible to each other and for each other. And so what does that mean? That means that, that means that you're responsible to impart to the next generation those things that God has given you. 
the discipleship that you've been entrusted with, the, the leadership and the mentorship that you've been able to, to, to walk in. That's not for you to become this super, this super Christian and stand in the corner and, and shine your halo. That's for you to take that and, and pour it right back out into someone else and to raise someone else up in the faith. And so we can't assume that past faithfulness will continue or that future generations will be aware of the great historical legacy available to them. The passing on of generational faith must continue to be refreshed or renewed with each generation. And so, so what we can't let happen is that our commitment becomes re replaced by complacency, and then complacency turns into compromise. And so I want to expose uh, some illusions. I'm going to move through this quickly. I got three, three illusions that we have as it relates to passing on generational faith. And it, this, this might hurt a little bit. But the first thing, the first illusion is this, is that it happens by osmosis. Anybody know what osmosis is? I, I, have, a, I have a definition for you. I started out with a passive process. Osmosis is a passive process of gradual or unconscious assimilation of ideas or knowledge. And so uh, the first illusion is that it happens by osmosis that this generation will catch our spiritual values by simply being around the faith, community, and or church. Now, this is very true. We say this around here, that more is caught than taught. We say if you've, been, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, especially as leadership, we believe that more is caught than taught. Well, what does that mean exactly? It means basically this. Watch me and do what I do. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? And so we believe this truth. We believe that more is caught than taught. However, if we are not intentional about teaching the why behind the values, uh, the next generation may not understand why faith matters. I was, I was doing some reading. I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, the, 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 the youngest generation is Generation Z. I don't know if you knew that. A lot of people have been talking about the millennials for a long time. Millennials are old already. And so Generation Z is really, is really the focal generation that we, that, that we need to be uh, really paying attention to and mentoring and, and, uh, and discipling. Now, the Generation Z is a very, very unique generation. Um, uh, there's a lot of things that make them up, but one of the things is that they need to know why. Now, uh, oftentimes, uh, so my generation, depending on what poll you look at, I'm either a millennial or I'm a Generation X. Depends on what, what, what poll you look at. But my generation, we were raised up to do what, what the elders told you out of respect and honor, right? So do what, you, do what I said, right? And do it because I said so. And we, and we just fall in line and we go and do that. Generation Z, not out of disrespect, but they want to know why. Now, oftentimes, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I have some generational, I have some Gen Zs in my household. And oftentimes, I get frustrated because they want to know why. And I say, because I said so, and they don't understand. <laughs> now, I, I had to realize, I had to understand that they're not being disrespectful. They genuinely want to know why. Now, this is a problem for some Christians. I'm going to tell you why. Because apologetics is critical. Apologetics is critical. We have to give our children a reason for why faith is important. A reason why these values are important. The reason that, the reason that this is dangerous or scary for some Christians is because I'm going to be very, very honest with you. There's a lot of Christians that are spiritually illiterate. You're illiterate about the Bible. You don't read the Bible. 
You don't read the Bible. You don't, you can't quote scriptures. You, you don't, the only time you read the Bible, if you read the Bible, is off the screen when you come on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's the truth. I've been in church a long time. I, 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 see, I see disciples that come in that have, a, that, that have a fresh hunger for the word and they, they, they just believe that uh, the, the word is everything, which it is, and they, and they just devour it. But there's some Christians that have just been, been doing this for such a long time, they've grown complacent and they're full of compromise and, and they just know really it's folk religion. It's these, it's these catch cliches, it's these zingers, it's these one-liners that are usually non-biblical, uh, but we believe them and we've created our whole religion, our whole faith around them. And so apologetics is not optional. We have to give them reason. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I'm going to give a, I, I need to give a shout out to PCBI. Uh, Pastor Rob just talked about it uh, uh, um, when he was doing offering. But listen, if you don't know the Bible, if you don't understand the historical context, if you don't understand the difference in how the canon was brought, uh, was pulled together, if you don't understand these things, we have classes for that. And so I want to encourage you to participate so that you have a clear understanding about the faith that you profess and so that you're competent in a place that you're able to pass that on to the next generation. So I look forward to seeing you guys in PCBI. No excuse. We're virtual, right? So the first illusion is that it doesn't happen by osmosis. We have to be intentional. I love Pastor Omar. He talks about this all the time. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. We have to be intentional. The second illusion is that it's the job of the church to disciple people. And so, again, many of us, we, we walk into church with a consumer mentality. I'm here to consume. Feed me. I want to I, I feel good. I want to shot in the arm. I want to, you know, get refreshed in faith. And, and, you know, the pastor better have a good word because I need a good word tonight. Uh, it's okay to expect that. There's good word that's preached here. Pastor Omar comes and delivers a great word. But... It's important for us to understand and take personal responsibility for discipleship amongst our brothers and our sisters. To take personal responsibility and discipleship of our family members, those that we have, uh, those that we have relationship with and those that we have influence over. Another thing is that uh, Generation Z, I'm talking about Generation Z, the next generation. So Gen Z increasingly feels isolated. They feel alone, and they hunger for real, rela for real relationships. They want, they want the real thing. They're, 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 they're very, very well uh, educated, or I should say informed. Uh, social media and all these different things, they, they, know, they, they know it all, and they can sniff out a phony from a mile away. They're looking for authenticity, and they're looking for real relationships. And so listen, I, I believe that it's important that, uh, that, that, we, that we offer four different types of relationships for this next generation. Uh, the, the, first one, uh, the first one is that they have to have a relationship with God first and foremost. We have to push them to God. We have to point them to God. The second thing, if you're a parent here or if you're a spiritual father or if you're a person of influence, you have to be a good influence on, the, on, on those individuals. So you have to be consistent in what you say and what you do. 
There's got to be consistency there, right? The second thing, or, or the third thing, is that they need mentors. They need leaders. And so parents, I, I'm gonna, I want to talk to parents real quick. Don't be so protective over your kids. Allow them to be under leadership so that leadership could help mold them and, and build a relationship with them and impart to them, right? So uh, if, if Daisy and Anthony come and they have to, they, they have to correct your child, submit to that. Allow, allow that to happen. That's good for them. That's good for them. All right. And the, last, the, the, the last thing they need is friends. Good friends. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And so relationships are powerful. Relationships are, are one of the most powerful things and, we, and we, we need to be intentional about building relationships with the next generation. The, the third illusion is, is this, and, and no, one will ever, no one will ever say this because you know better, but our actions speak louder than words. So the third illusion is this, is that it's not worth it. Now, I know that none of you guys would, would ever have the audacity to say that it's not worth it. It's not worth reaching out to the next generation. However, our actions speak louder than words. And so oftentimes, uh, we, we could say, well, we could dismiss them as, as rebellious. Uh, you could dismiss an individual as, oh, they have a bad attitude, or they're just going through a phase. I'm going to leave them alone. I'm not going to mess with them. You, you are, by default, abandoning your position in their lives. And so you may not ever say, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. It's not worth uh, uh, the effort. But our actions are speaking louder than our words. And we have to push through characters. We have to push through personalities. We have to push through these things in order to build a relationship, to build credibility, and to be able to impart into the next generation. I have this next picture here. I was thinking about it's not worth it. All right. And so we're talking about generational faith. Oh, thank you. I, I tell you guys, I always get this opportunity to show off my family. Uh, my wife and my kids make me look uh, way better than I do. But as I was thinking about it's not worth it, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm a parent. I'm a parent of four children. I have a 21-year-old. 20, uh, my goodness, she's going to be 22. I have a 21-year-old. 20, I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And it is exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. Pray for my wife. She's a saint. But I think about this, and I think that that last illusion that it's not worth it. It's very, very easy. I'm, I'm guilty of it. Church, I'm, I'm here. I'm being transparent. I'm guilty of it. It's very easy for us to dismiss and just say they're just kids. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't need this. They, they don't need to be in prayer on Saturday mornings. They don't need to, you know, uh, watch church while we were at home and, you know, all, all these different things. But then I look at, I, I look at my family. And I think about the spiritual heritage and, and the legacy that my parents gave me. And I'll never forget this. My wife, she, she checked me one time. And I, I'll, a shout out to all the wives out there hold, holding it down um, and, and keeping, keeping the men in line and keeping us focused. Uh, I, I remember this time. There was a time in my life, I've shared this with you guys. There was a time in my life where I was done with church. I was just tired of it. I just thought that it was, it, it was, it was all a facade. It was just this machine um, and, 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 all, these, and, and all, this, all these different you know, crazy thoughts. And, uh, and I told my wife, I'm not going to church. I'm done. I'm done. I believe in God. Uh, we all know these guys, right? I believe in God and I can serve God from right here. Right? Jesus is my leader. You know, you know the type. 
And so I remember I was going through this time in my life and, and, and my wife, she checked me. She said, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to give my children the same opportunity that my parents gave me to know Christ and to be a part of a church. And so I, I, think about, I think about my family and I think about the next generation. I think about my responsibility to them. And I, I'm here to tell you guys that it's worth it. It's worth the pain. It's worth the effort. It's worth the struggle. It's, it's worth the energy. We can't dismiss them. We can't think that they're, they're, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're just going through a phase and that you know, they'll grow out of it. We have to be intentional. We have to love them. We have to reach out to them. We have to engage them. We have to make time for them. We have to talk to them about the things of God. We have to impart to them. We have to tell them the stories. If we're not going to tell them, who is? You can, take the, you can take that picture down. Thank you for following me. Uh, three things real quick. We talked about the three, three illusions or really the three myths of imparting generational faith. There's three things that we could do to impart generational faith. I want to tell them to you uh, real quick. It's not very difficult. I always say this, that it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. So the first thing is this, is that we have to love God passionately. We have to love God passionately. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5 is the all command. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So what does it mean to love the, love the Lord with all your heart? It means to love the Lord with your will, your passions, your desires, your affections, your perceptions, and your thoughts. Francis Chan talks about the heart being this, the grand central station. It's, it's where we make our decisions. And so love the Lord your God with all of that. The second thing is with your soul. Love him with how we talk and what we do with our hands and how we spend our time, how we utilize our talents. How we react to challenges, our entire being is to display that we love God. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. And this call is to love God not only with our physical being, but with everything we have available to honoring God. Our resources, everything that we have, we love God passionately. And we love God wholeheartedly. The second thing is that we have to emphasize truths Practically, We have to emphasize truths practically. And so we have to apply the gospel practically into our life. What does that look like? Well, it looks like finding teaching moments. When things are going on in school, when things are going on in the community, when things are going on in social media, the trending political hot buttons. Find those opportunities to teach and to bring God into those situations, to bring love, to bring respect, to bring justice into those situations. And the last thing is to give evidence personally. Give evidence personally. I'll give you the scripture. You guys can read it on your own. It's, it's Deuteronomy 6, uh, 20 through 25. Uh, Omar could come up with, with the worship team. I'm going to wrap this up. But number three, I want you to listen to this. 
Give evidence personally. This is, well, I'm talking about a personal testimony. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so moved by uh, uh, the project in which our production team has put together uh, uh, on YouTube with my story. How many of you guys have, have watched any of those videos? Personal testimony of God's deliverance. I was watching, I, I was watching Angels. I was watching Becca's. Uh, we just released uh, Jason's part one and two. And I, I was thinking about the significance of your story. I was thinking about how significant it is for you to testify personally about what God has done in your life. You see from generation to generation, uh, from, from, uh, uh, um, from generation to generation, truths have been imparted by stories. You look at how Jesus taught. Jesus taught by stories. This is how we communicate information. This is how we make it relatable. This is how we make it stick. And so your, your story matters. Your story matters to the next generation. Your story matters, and, and the evidence of the power of God in your life being manifested every single day, and you sharing that with someone else, your story matters. And so we need to give evidence personally of the goodness of God. It's our responsibility. We're, we're responsible to each other, and we're responsible for each other. Now, some of you might be sitting there and say, well, I'm not responsible for anyone. I'm going to take care of myself. That's just not Christian. So that's okay if you have that feeling, but we got to, we got to shift that. we got to change that. But Christians, I'm talking to Christians right now, we're responsible. God didn't save you just to bless you and to, to set you up on this, in this temporary life, to get you a job, to get you off of drugs, get you cleaned up. Now you can have a house, a wife, and the picket fence. That's not, that's not the reason why God came for you. That's not the reason. We're responsible for the next generation. We're responsible to disciple people. We're responsible to be an ambassador of God to, the, to, to this world. And if we're, if, we're so, if we're so consumed with what God is going to do for me, how I'm going to build my life, they're, they're, it's okay to do that. God wants to bless you. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless you, that God doesn't want to work those things out for you. But if we're consumed by that, if that's, the, if that's our primary focus, we got our, our priorities out of line. And we need to bring them back in line. And I think the first thing we can do is by take, taking personal responsibility and discipleship of the next generation. It's a strong conviction of mine. And so I want to, I, I uh, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, we're, we're going to come to a, a, really a moment of decision. And I've talked about a lot of things. I, I, I didn't even get through my whole, my, my whole sermon here, but we talked about a lot of things. But I want to put out a challenge to, to you that, that, are out, that are out there. Maybe you were listening and, and you're thinking, you know, I've, I've been really consumed with what's going on in my life. I've been really consumed with, you know, figuring my stuff out. And I believe that you got to get right. you gotta get, you got to get straightened out before you can help someone else out. And so that's primary. And so I want to do that tonight. I, I, I want to give an opportunity to get your life right with God. And so if you're, if you're watching us here tonight, I want to give an invitation to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Whether you're, whether you're joining us on YouTube or, or if you're here, I want to give you that opportunity. It's critical it's essential. Before, before we can get to imparting to the next generation, we have to secure our soul and secure our relationship 
with Christ. And so if there's anybody here, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're listening to all this and you're saying, you know what? I'm out of line. I, I, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I'm, I'm a mess. Well, God's grace is sufficient. God is here. God, God wants to restore us. God wants to put us in right standing. And so my call, my call tonight first is to those that don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're here within the sound of my voice. I can't see you all, but I'm going to ask you if you would just acknowledge with the raise of your hand. You're saying, you know what, Pastor Isaac, I'm away from God. I, I, I do not have a relationship with, with Christ. I, I need God in my life. If there's anybody here like that, if you would just raise your hand, just lift your hand, just kind of just wave it. Just, this, is, this is a sign that you're just, uh, you're just admitting that, that you do not have Christ in your life and that you, you want him. Is there anybody here at all? Usher's going to need to help me out because I can't see anybody at all. Maybe you're there uh, and you're watching us. We had over 50, 50 screens that were watching us on YouTube. And so maybe you're joining us tonight and, and you're, not, you're, you're not in a good place with God. Maybe you've turned your back on God. Maybe you've, uh, uh, maybe you've, you've walked out on God and, or maybe your priorities are, are out of line. I want to give you an invitation to repent, to, to come back into, into the family of God. And so if you're out there and if you want to uh, if you want to pray this prayer, I'm going to pray this prayer. And just, if you would, just acknowledge us uh, in the chat box. Just let us know, uh, let us know that you responded to this. But I'm going to pray. And church, I'm going to ask you if you would pray with me. I, I just, we're going to pray the sinner's prayer. So, so pray with me. Say, say, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your son. And tonight we repent of our wrongdoing. We repent of the sin that we've allowed in our life, we repent of the compromise that we've allowed in our life. And we pray that you would come into our lives and that you would set us anew, God, in our hearts, in our minds. Transform us. Lord, we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge the fact that we need a Savior. And so we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your, your blessing and your favor on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if, if you prayed that tonight with us, uh, if you're on YouTube, please let us know. Uh, let us know in the chat box. We would just want to connect with you. We appreciate you being with us so much uh, tonight. And, and be with us uh, on Saturday when, when we're together. Uh, but, but God bless you and good night. And we could dismiss our, we could dismiss our, our online uh, service. I want, to speak to, uh, I want to speak to Christians tonight. And I, I want to... Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.